Hello and welcome back to From A to Xenon. It's February and this month we are talking about... <gasps> Minutemen. Yes. Shahan, I love this movie. <laughs> I forgot everything that happened in this movie. I like remembered bits and pieces, but this one was truly... When we were 15, we were the perfect age for this one, I feel like. Or we were 14 still, I think. Yeah, yeah. I I remember this movie very vividly because, like you said, this came out in 2008. We were freshmen. Our characters start the year, start high school. Like, it was very parallel. And we'll talk about my love for Jason Dolly later. But I, I really do love this movie. And I'm so excited we're doing this for February. <laughs> And it was a January 2008 release, so we are kind of in the season. It's a very like wintery. It's not a it's not a holiday decom, but it is a a winter release decom. So I do love that we're sort of parallel there. So here we are, the first day of freshman year at Summerton High School, September third, two thousand five. Um, and what I have here is my little middle school kingdom for Jason Dolly in a backwards cap. <laughs> Oh my word. Honestly, this movie brought me back because I saw Jason Dolly's flipped hair and I was like, my God, that really was the style. Like <laughs> we had, it was, and it did not age well. <laughs> we had many a boys at our school with the flipped hair and Jason Dolly just took me back. I remember Avery went to college and your friend was like, why are you all, you got all these boys with man bangs at your school? I don't know where your friend went to high school. This is what it was like around the nation. <laughs> it was an international problem. Look at Harry Potter 4, for example. Oh my word. <laughs> so our main character, Jason Dolly, aka Virgil. Terrible name. I know. Like, why couldn't they give him a normal name? <laughs> Virgil? Like, okay, okay. His parents did wrong by him, but we can't even get mad at them because we will see not one single parent in this film. That's right! There are no parents in this film. No parents at all. Like, mom gets brought up in passing, but, like, there is no parent here. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so our main character, Jason Dolly, is Virgil, and he is coming into high school with two best friends, Derek and Stephanie. Like, they are a trio. They are. Derek is, you know, he's trying out. He has intentions to, like, try out for football. And Stephanie is going to try out for cheerleading. And, like, they really are going to take high school by storm. They absolutely are. You know, uh, Derek's got all these big plans. He's pushing Stephanie to try out for cheerleading. But then Derek is, like, fully, like really deeply messing up his football trials, right? He's he's not impressing the coach at all. And then <laughs> this child comes barreling through the field on a some sort of a rocket car. This is Char Charlie Tuttle. He's an 11-year-old who skipped a bunch of grades and is in their class. He looks about nine and Derek decides to prove himself and he throws the ball and hits Charlie off of the cart. And the football coach is impressed with him. The football players are impressed with him. And Virgil tried to stop him, but couldn't. And then the football players all go to pick up Charlie and Virgil rushes to stop them. And all he gets in return is joining Charlie. It's awful bullying. They hang them up by cheerleader. They dress them in cheerleader uniforms, put makeup on them and hang them up on the school's Ram statue. 
which looks dangerously high for what it's worth. Yeah, that <laughs> statue is high. And then Derek, mind you, Virgil's BFF, like Derek, does nothing to help them. Like, nothing. I was also pissed. And I'm also regularly throughout this movie pissed by the lack of adult intervention. The football coach was right there and did nothing to stop it. Probably because he was annoyed with Charlie for messing up his turf, but... I, I know these movies are about children and generally the children start and fix all of the problems, but you've got to in some way have some adult intervention. Anyway, and now the football players like love Derek because he threw the football to knock Charlie over. So, you know, he got everything he wanted. Yeah. Now we get a time jump. Yeah, because this is this incident and they refer to it like constantly throughout the movie as like the incident, the day they got hung on the Ram statue and dressed in the cheerleading outfits and lipstick. They refer to this as the incident. And like Jahan said, we get a time jump. And so now we see that like Virgil and Charlie are best friends. And we see from the distance from the car parking lot that Stephanie and Derek are now the popular kids at school. Like they are clearly dating. They are clearly in a relationship and they're the popular kids. And Virgil got left behind. They're the it couple. Um, You know, Virgil stuck hanging around with this kid who's working on uh, communicating with his cat, Albert Felinestein. There's also, we don't really get to know him, but there's a scary kid who rides up to school on a motorcycle. Very tall. (laughs) I don't know anything about him yet. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But yeah, Virgil is here first day of his senior year and he can't believe he's still at the dork table. But everyone, including him, is still very hung up on that incident. Yeah, it's it became so popular that it was they said it was the front cover of the school yearbook for three years in a row. And I'm like, did nothing else happen? (laughs) You guys got to talk about something else. The news cycle has to move on. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple of uh, things at play in the cafeteria. We see that Virgil takes every opportunity he can get to talk to Steph, who he is still uh, desperate to talk to. You know, they know each other so well. He knows she wants to be an architect. She took an architecture class over the summer. He like really loves her and celebrates all she's about. And then there's also Jeanette who is the president of the birding club or some shit and deeply loves Charlie. <laughs> and it's so funny because yes, she is definitely obsessed with him, but Charlie doesn't even give her the time of day because he's, and I quote, married to science. Like he has no time for Jeanette. <laughs> yeah. So Charlie, as we said, like he's clearly very smart, skipped a bunch of grades and he's always like coming up with like new inventions and things like that. And so Charlie is working on something that we're like not quite sure of yet, but like he's been working on something. So he's been working uh, using the school computer for three years with the quantum accelerator from his rocket car. And he finally has succeeded. He's made a time travel formula that can take you back 48 hours, up to 48 hours. Uh, You can time travel on a beam of light from any light source, even from a slide projector. Um, But it's not just any slide projector. It's a special souped up slide projector that he needs uh, a hardware guy to make. And Virgil's like, you don't know how to do any of this. So clearly, like, there's some missing pieces, but he thinks he has something. And so Virgil agrees to help Charlie, but under some conditions. One... 
um, Virgil tells Charlie that he'll help him, but he gets to do whatever he wants with it first. And Jahan is right. So they say, or Virgil says that like, we need somebody to help him build this. And so who do they go to? But bad boy on the bike, (laughs) Zeke. (laughs) (laughs) And I will say, remember, I don't remember much of this movie. So in my head, this is Zeke played by one current prince of television, Nicholas Braun. We'll talk about him when we talk about the actors. But I will say he, at this point in my life, had very much been a nerd, like in Sky High and stuff. So I kind of forgot his character in this. A Sky High reference. Welcome to Sky High. Yeah! Is supposed to be this big bad boy. What? Oh, I was just saying, a Sky High reference. (laughs) Oh, oh God, the alarm's got a sound. (laughs) Yeah! (laughs) But yes, so he's supposed to be this big bad dude who works, builds monster truck robots with his dad, which is very cool. Um, his dad has a bike shop and he's perfect though, because Charlie doesn't just need someone who can do the hardware. They need someone who's on the outskirts of society who can like kind of help them without worrying about breaking a few rules. And Zeke is exactly that. For example, he rides his motorcycle up onto school property and we learn that he's a real freak when they meet with him to tell him about the project because my guy is eating the cream out of a sandwich cookie with like pliers. I don't know what he's doing, but it is shocking. (laughs) Shocking to see. That is a man who doesn't care about any laws. (laughs) What a bad boy. (laughs) But um, very cool is that Zeke is interested. Also, I have a couple of questions because they they invite Zeke to Virgil's house to figure this out, to, to show him the blueprints. And Virgil's sister, Amy, comes down because she's interested in meeting cute boys whenever Virgil has them over. And she's, one, this child is like nine years old or something. I don't know why they have this bit. (laughs) But But then she sees that it's Zeke who's been invited over and she's like, chill, I'm out of here. It's like I just walked into an ugly contest. Why is this girl so mean? I know, and and she tells Virgil, she says, why can't you bring cute boys home? She is a star, truly a classic DCOM younger sim. Uh, love to see it. And uh, she is the only family we will see throughout this film. Entire film. <laughs> Zeke agrees to join the group and like build this thing, but they also need to find um, an ex- a space to, to actually build this and like conduct experiments without anyone noticing. And so Charlie has an idea. Apparently there's, a room was room 77 um, that Char- yeah, that Charlie knows about. And so they asked the vice principal like the next day, is it possible to use this place or use this space for their new club? And so vice principal Tolkien, they like confront him at the vending machine. And I want to be clear. <laughs> the vice principal is at the vending machine and there is a high school student one of the members from their from the dork table stuffed in this vending machine. How is that physically possible? I have no idea. But he is stuck in this vending machine. And so Virgil, Zeke, and Charlie are like, aren't you going to do anything about this? Like, you see this child clearly here in front of you. And the vice principal says, and I quote, like what? Change the way high school works? 
everything has an order. There are those who stuff others into vending machines and those who get stuffed into vending machines. It's just the way the system works. Actually, it's in the vice principal's handbook. What? This man is so awful. Like I said, my major problem with this film is the complete lack of adult intervention. Sir, you have to in some way manage that. That's your job. But um, they trade him, like you said, for the, he needs change for a snack. So they trade him four quarters for access to room 77 and they get the room for their new club. Room 77 is the school's former fallout shelter under the football field. <laughs> it is disgusting. It's dusty. There's pictures of, was it a picture of Nixon up on the wall? There is a picture of Nixon. <laughs> The thing is, they clean off the picture of Nixon. They do not remove the picture of Nixon. I would just like to point out. But they, um, the best moment of this, there are many really beautiful moments in this film, but the moment of this film that really made me say, this one's for me, is Nicholas Braun, or Zeke. Zeke looking at this disgusting classroom and saying, it's got great bones though. And then suddenly we snap into a cleaning montage set to Like Woe by my best girls who I have seen in concert twice, Allie and AJ. That, to me, is perfect cinema. <laughs> I, I'm so glad that we are best friends because I literally said the exact same thing. The Like Woe montage <laughs> is just everything for me. And I was so taken back to high school. Like Allie and AJ are are such, such, such queens of our, of our decom lives. <laughs> and listeners, Allie and AJ have some good current day music that y'all should check out. <laughs> yes. Take Me Out is definitely on my car playlist. <laughs> oh, it's so good. Anyway. <laughs> so they, but in the montage, they also start building the time machine. It's got motorcycle parts. They steal the teacher's lounge microwave with the vice principal's breakfast burrito in it. They steal the computer from the lab that they use to figure out these equations, that Charlie has been using to figure out these equations for the last three years. And they successfully turn it on. I love this part. So once they get the machine going, it's like, okay, who's going to test it first? <laughs> Zeke's like, yeah, I just ate a meatball sandwich. So, you know, cramps. <laughs> and Charlie's like, oh, I'm wearing my new favorite shirt. <laughs> And so it looks like they're going to, like, make Virgil do this. But rather, Virgil decides to take Albert Felinstein, Charlie's cat, and just, like, throws him into the machine. The disrespect. I do not support animal testing. And then Charlie thinks his best friend, his cat, is about to die in there. And Virgil was like, you were going to send me. <laughs> Which I think is fine. I do not support animal testing. But Albert V. Einstein makes it through okay. He's just frozen because of the temperature changes involved with time travel. Oh, no. I don't understand the science and I won't be questioning it. I trust Charlie Tuttle's mind. <laughs> so they do the test and the test is successful. But I want to make point that Albert V. Einstein only goes back a minute in time. And I was like, well, how can you tell if the time works? Like, couldn't the clock just be off by a minute? Like... <laughs> This wasn't an accurate test. No, you know what, Avery? That was that was their very accurate watch. Like I said, I trust Charlie Tuttle's science. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And sci this is when we first see some scientists 
who get an alert that something is happening in Somerton, where these kids live. But, you know, their equipment's old and terrible, so they figure it's got to be a fluke. Meanwhile, Steph and Derek are fighting because hottie Jocelyn Lee is tutoring him in French. And what I wrote here, and like, Steph calls him a lying cheese ball in French, but what I wrote here is how did she end up with this complete downgrade when a hunk of a man, Jason Dolly, is right there? And when I say hunk of a man, I mean extremely swim, slim boy with extremely flippy hair. He loves to wear a Henley that accentuates his stick of a body. <laughs> you stop right now. You stop right uh. now. <laughs> He puts on those beautiful leather bracelets because he knows they show off his dainty wrists. This is a, a dainty, dainty teen boy. <laughs> but that's, again, if you are in 2008, you are watching this, that is the height of cute boy. <laughs> it really was. Particularly if you are Avery. <laughs> it really was. And this is when we really start to see how much our boy Virgil is living in the past. Like, every time he talks to Steph, he's like, wow, remember when we used to run through the sprinklers? And it's like, sir, build a current relationship with this girl. Don't always be talking about shit you did in the sixth grade. I don't know. <laughs> and Steph tells him that Derek, uh, she's like, Virgil, you got to, uh, you know, it's not good to live in the past. Derek feels bad and he tried to stop the football players. He really did. So, okay. it's it, Now we're starting to see that it seems like it might be Virgil who's not letting this go. Mm. I also want to point out too, I also had my sneaky suspicions about Derek because, you know, obviously not standing up for his friend. But then too, when Stephanie confronts him about like cheating on her with Jocelyn, Derek describes Jocelyn as hot, but a total bottom feeder. How freaking rude. Yeah, that, this guy just has bad vibes. Like, that's what I don't understand. Why would Steph be hanging around with a dude with such bad vibes? Well, you got Virgil right there. She is not a good judge of character. Mm -mm. Um, <laughs> anyway, like I said, it's been three years. It seems like Virgil's the one stuck in the past. Sir, you gotta have a life. You gotta live, but um, now it's time for them to try it. We're about to go oh, back in time. Um, <laughs> no, so remember the agreement? Yes. <laughs> the agreement was that Virgil got to pick what they were going to do. And so Virgil is all about being popular and getting rich. And so his idea to go back on their first trip is to go into town to go get lotto numbers from the day before and like win the lottery and like be rich. No one thinks this plan through. <laughs> yes, not one like question was asked about this plan. I also think like, and Charlie really does not want to do that. Charlie's like, we can't, uh, Charlie like does not support the plan, but he did agree to let Virgil choose to get him on board. And Zeke's kind of interested. So they set up a diving board to jump in. Virgil says, incredible line, next stop, funky town, before jumping in. A, a prince with many one-liners. And um, we also learned that if they spend more than 10 minutes in the past, they run the risk of exploding. You know. Feels like Charlie should have led with that. Casual, so <laughs> casual. 
something very fun about this movie is that Charlie is so young and they really let him be young. You notice he's like truly three years younger than them so often because when they successfully, so they jump in and they successfully arrive back in time and Charlie is so happy that he does a little happy dance and you're like, oh yes, this is a child. (laughs) But then what happens with their plan, Avery? Oh my Lord. So these boys, they go running into town and they go to the local, like, I guess it's, the gas station to go pick up um, or like a local market. I don't know. They go to go pick up the lotto numbers and the lady's like, do you have ID? (laughs) No one realized that they needed ID to get a lotto ticket. So instead they find the, the Mr. Robot, like a street performer that's standing outside of this gas station slash local mart. And they tell him, they tip him. No clue why he would be there. I have no idea. (laughs) They tip him and they're like, hey, dude, buy this lotto ticket for us and we'll like come and like meet you tomorrow. Here are the numbers. We'll meet you tomorrow. Right. Because he agrees to buy them the ticket, but then they can't wait for him. They only have two minutes to get back to their wormhole or vortex or whatever. Mm -hmm. So they uh, they're like, we'll meet you tomorrow. But they show up the next day. And what do you know? (laughs) Robot Man has chosen to win the lottery himself. Mm-mm-mm. So the plan fails. What are the odds? <laughs> the plan fails big time. Yes, the plan fails. And so Virgil's all like, well, maybe, you know, maybe we can go back again and like try again. And Virgil and I'm sorry, Virgil's saying like, maybe we can go back again. And Charlie's like, no, we have to use the machine for like ethical ways. Like we got to find something better to use the machine for instead of like just making us rich. Meanwhile, in the locker room, our dork Chester, this is the same dork, mind you, that was stuck in the vending machine. He's in the locker room and his clothes get stolen by the popular kids. And so he has to go out of the locker. He's in a towel. (laughs) Chester, why'd you leave the locker room? First of all. Second of all, what the fuck is wrong with these kids? Why are they doing this to people? They are so freaking (laughs) rude. I, yeah, I'm heated. I, and then they grab the towel, which is so much worse. What, what, what do you, what, what do you gain from making, like, completely making a student stand naked in your hallway. I don't know. Anyway, he grabs a sign to cover himself up and asks the vice principal for help. But we know already that vice principal Tolkien is useless. He continues to say that this is just the order of the world. But two people who witness this are Charlie and Virgil, who are are inspired. They're like, this is what the time machine is for. And they tell Zeke about it. And he's like, So you want us to become like silent heroes to the uncool? And this is where we we see what Virgil's really about. Because they live in a world where like one minute can make or break a person's entire future. And I will say, he says something I do not approve of here, which is, had I known that sticking up for Charlie would have ruined my entire life, I never would have done it. Sir! (laughs) Yeah, He's right there! He's your little buddy! I truly was just like, Excuse you. This is all in all caps. Excuse you. Charlie is your little buddy. He's learning how to say scorch for you. Scorch was Derek and Zeke's, uh, Derek and Virgil's cool, like cool boy word that that they said together. And, you know, Charlie's working very hard to say it. He keeps saying scratch and like scunch and stuff, but he is trying for you. 
you did the right thing. <laughs> I had a lot to say about that. That was a rude thing. And he said it in front of him. No shame. No shame. But anyway, so they want to stop future the incidents from happening. Yeah. So Virgil decides to name them the Minutemen and they are going to become the silent heroes for the unpopular kids. And so on this trip, they realize that they need somebody to stay behind to control the machine while they're gone. And so they're trying to like decide like who's going to go back or who's going to stay behind. But who is to come to room 77 but Jeanette? Because she's interested in joining their Back to the Future Club. <laughs> this girl has not even seen the movie. She just loves Charlie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I respect it. She's She really won me over. I think she might be my favorite character in the movie. Oh. I also think that it's really cute because like you said, she's like obsessed with birds. So like throughout the movie, she's like constantly calling Charlie like different birds, like hummingbird or puffin or like... Something like that. Kookaburra. She really goes through a lot of birds. <laughs> and I, re I really did think she was so cute. And I thought she was going to annoy me when she first showed up and like called him Hummingbird. But no, she's just there to support. Um, but Charlie does not want her in his club. He is, he doesn't want to tell any people about time travel that they don't need to tell. He and like Virgil start yelling and hitting each other because they love to, they really love to like get on each other's nerves. But Zeke and Virgil win because they're not going to leave any of they're not going to leave any of the three minute men behind. And they're about to, they're ready to go. But <laughs> Jeanette says, OK, but first we need to do something about the, these outfits because they've been traveling in whatever winter gear they have because they're going back in time. And like Albert Felinstein, it gets very cold for them. Now, the audacity of Jeanette to come for their outfits when she is wearing a yellow and black plaid page boy cap. I do not respect it. <laughs> not Shahan with the fashion alert. <laughs> the disrespect. But they, they bring her on board and it's so much fun. I love that they looped her in. And luckily her dad just bought Ski World. That's very convenient because she's able to get them three head to toe white matching ski suits with goggles. They look very cute. They do. They they really do. I'm so curious how she found one to fit Zeke because that man is a giant. <laughs> yes, as um, Virgil tells him, he looks like a Yeti. <laughs> um, meanwhile, Virgil's like, wow, this really fits. It look, makes me look great. And uh, Zeke rightfully tells him he looks like a Chihuahua because as I said, he's built like a Chihuahua. As I said, this is a svelte boy. I'm dying. <laughs> anyway, so they go in their they go in their matching wetsuits. And so they go back in time and they rescue Chester from the day before. So when they they still let the boys like steal his clothes because the popular kids are like waiting outside the locker room, like waiting for him to come out and like embarrass himself and stuff. But the Minutemen come and they like have a brand new outfit for him so that he doesn't have to go outside of the locker room naked. And it's like an upgrade. They gave him like a swagged out outfit. And so now like he didn't get embarrassed and he looks cool. So like two things in one. Yes. And um, so two things about this trip. 
One, there's a lot of cute back and forth bickering because they're becoming like a team. Like Zeke is really a part of things now. They're really starting to feel like actual friends. Jeanette even says, I never thought time travel would involve so much bickering, but also they break the vice principal's diorama of the school, which makes them outlaws. So now he does not, These they start calling them the snowsuit guys. And the vice principal hates them. Nobody's like, people are like very curious about them. It's very mysterious. And then we go to the burger restaurant that all the cool kids hang out at, where Zeke witnesses Jocelyn Lee commit a crime against a nerd. <laughs> She's, why are popular kids so mean? <laughs> I hate it here. I have no idea. The popular kids are a real problem in this movie. But Jocelyn Lee is too lazy to pick up her own food and is flirting with this uh, this nerdy boy who is whose full name is on his name tag. And it is such a large name tag. It's so funny. It's covering up so much of his chest. And his name is Eugene von Hoserberg. But she does not want to pick up her own food. She's still making eyes at Derek, by the way. There is something, something's not right. And I'm just like, Derek? Your hot girlfriend is literally tutoring you right now, and you are making eyes at this girl who's being mean to Eugene? Mm. Not right. What Jocelyn does is she moves the wet floor sign. So when Eugene brings her her food, he slips and falls. That's not right. But Zeke sees it. And then what happens? Zeke sees it and decides to change it the next day so that the... Eugene doesn't fall, but rather I think like a mop spins and it like lands on Jocelyn's table and they're the ones that are being laughed at. Like why even pull this prank? This guy's bringing you your food. All you get out of this is a boy covered in your food. I don't know. (laughs) Then we get our second montage of the movie. And my God, this one is so great. (laughs) It is. And what I wrote down here is that it's time for another montage. I think we really have to create a scale for decomness because you almost need multiple montages for a true decom. <laughs> you do. You really do. We've got a Corbin Blue music montage where you just see the Minutemen helping out geeks with their like embarrassing moments throughout the school. Like they help one girl who's like drooling on her desk, wearing her braces. They're just helping everybody out. And it's so great to see. They really are. But all the while, while they're doing these good deeds, the vice principal is like still out on the hunt to like get the snowsuit guys and stuff. So, oh, it's a a great montage, y'all. It's so good. Please watch this movie, if not for the montage. (laughs) Yes. Also, we notice all three boys feel like they're being watched by God. Like, Zeke sees some feels like he's being watched. It's someone who's pretending to work on the tele uh, telephone poles near him. Virgil feels like he's being tailed, and Charlie thinks a car is following him. And the school, like you said, is a police state. The vice principal has extra security. So what we notice is their time travel is having an unexpected consequence. Not just they're being tailed. Not just sec- added security at the school. Eugene is now being a huge bitch. <laughs> Whoa! Our boy, our boy Eugene von Hoserberg is suddenly cool because he's pretending that he parties with the snowsuit guys who everybody loves. 
Like, there are these school rebels who are saving the day. And, like, Eugene is ahead of Virgil in line. And he's, like, talking to these cool kids. He just is stone cold. He shuts down Virgil trying to talk to him and just turns to walk away with the cool kids. And, like, that's happening with everyone they're saving. They're all bailing on the dork table and becoming kind of a jerk. Like, Chester is popular and fashionable. And he calls them doorknobs because he has swag now. But, you know, one nice thing, Zeke now sits at their lunch table. So it's the three of them, which I appreciate. Um, And then Steph still talks to them, though, because she's great. And she runs up to tell Virgil that she got into UC Belmont, her dream school. But it's all kind of riding on her getting a cheerleading scholarship. True, true. And so, yes, she has to, I guess, try out or, or do something in order to get this cheerleading scholarship. Meanwhile, we find out that all this time, <laughs> Charlie admits, or at this lunch scene, Charlie admits that like how he got the time machine to work is that he stole defunct files from NASA in order to get the time machine to work. And like, no, he didn't fail to mention it to anybody. So now they're like, oh, well, shoot, we're having people like follow us all the time. I think it's because I stole these plans. Like we need to lay low for a while. Like we don't need to, we shouldn't use the machine for a long time because, you know, we're being followed and we're being surveillanced and all this other stuff. (laughs) And uh, something I really love about this movie is like the very silly, like hijinks and physical comedy. Like when they find out he robbed NASA, they, Zeke and Virgil both yell, you robbed NASA? And the whole cafeteria turns to look at them and Charlie's like, oh shoot, and drags them under the table like that's more subtle. And like, at first I was like, are they just pretending that the whole cafeteria didn't notice that he took them directly under the table? But then when they come back up after they decide to lay low, everyone's still looking at them. They were just watching them the whole time. And Virgil's out here it's like, so silly. oh, I dropped a grape. <laughs> uh, so they're going to lay low. They're not going to use the machine for a while. But the next day, Steph is in a leg brace. <gasps> Our girl fell off the top of the pyramid. And she looks so sad about it. She just gives Virgil this shrug and Virgil's like, oh no. (laughs) Charlie is against it because, you know, they're being watched. And he's like, you just want to do it because you have a big creepy crush on her. And my girl Jeanette (laughs) hears that and is like, creepy crush? I vote yes. (laughs) She believes in love. (laughs) She believes in the power of a creepy crush. She knows if you hold on to your feelings for years, something will happen for you. (laughs) I wrote, I love you, Jeanette. You are a perfect character. No notes. (laughs) (laughs) So I love it. So they decide that, or Virgil convinces them that they should go and help Stephanie go back in time and prevent her from falling so she can get her scholarship. They take the the rocket cart or the cart onto the field, right? And they go, they go. I think it's just a cart. They oh, stole just the cart. It's not the because it doesn't look like the rocket. Okay, so just the cart. Um, but they get the cart onto the field and. I also love how Steph falls because I thought she just like lost her, lost her balance. No, it's like a hacky sack. (laughs) No, but it's not a hacky sack just hit by anybody. Yeah. It's a hacky sack hit by Eugene now that he's cool. Mm -hmm. So the hacky sack hits 
staff on the head. And that's what causes her to lose her balance. But luckily the Minutemen are here and Virgil catches her fall. And she, and I think Steph says something like, I don't know who you are or something like that, but like, you're so cool. And Virgil goes, get out. <laughs> it's then that Steph recognizes his voice and realizes, oh, wait a second. She does. Yeah. She definitely notices something. Meanwhile, the vice principal sees that they are like, they're not laying low, right? They drove across the football field. The vice principal sees that and he gets in a car accident with the robot guy who uh, took the lottery tickets and the robot guy then in turn gets hit by like an old lady on a bicycle. So we're back into, uh, we go back and like Steph is fine, but Chester and his now cool nerd buds are like bullying the guys who used to bully him. And the vice principal, (laughs) he's so confusing. He doesn't have a problem with the bullying, but he will not tolerate students leapfrogging to a higher social status because it confuses the order of things. So Chester gets in trouble, even though the other bullies never did. And Charlie starts freaking out because they see in the newspaper that the robot man is suing an old lady. Their jumps are causing chain reactions. Chester is getting in trouble because nobody, and he never used to get in trouble. I even say like, Steph wouldn't have fallen if Eugene wasn't cool now, right? So all these things are happening, but again, they did save Steph. But like, Charlie is freaking out. He's like, it's a world gone mad. And there is a joke here that I think is important because when people are staring at him, Virgil's like, oh, you know, he's just freaking out about global warming. And it's awful that that joke still works perfectly. (laughs) Oh no. So after all this happens, Steph confronts Virgil at his house about being the snowsuit guy. And Virgil's like, no, it's not us. Like, I don't know what you mean and all this other stuff. And Steph's like, no, I know it was you. It's you, Zeke and Charlie. Which honestly, I'm like, okay, these are three boys. One, as we said, is a Yeti. And then there's a small, tiny boy. And then a middle-sized boy. How do we not? And then they hang out together all the time. How do we not know that it's them by now? I don't there's no other boy. The, yeah, you're completely right. There's no other boy the size of Nicholas Braun at this school. I promise you. <laughs> it's just wild to me. But Virgil tries to deny and she's like, no, I know it's you guys. You guys must be. And like Virgil says they're time travelers. Steph said they're psychic. And then they realize and then Virgil realizes like, oh, no, like he's admitted that they're really time travelers. So the secret is out. The secret is out. I also think it's very funny that she was like, they must be psychics. That's how they know everything's going to happen. But um, they go to the big football game and uh, Zeke's like, why are we here? Virgil's like, someone always embarrasses themselves at these things. We just got to keep an eye out. And what's really cool is, um, so we had already seen Steph wearing one of these, but now everybody has like a shirt that's like, I love the snow uh, snowsuit guys. It's cute. They've got fans. And... So this is a big football game. Derek, our jerk boyfriend, has like six seconds to win the championship. The uh, coach is really like, really stressed about it. So Derek's like, okay, I got this. But Chester, who is very done with the vice principal and the order of things now that he's just gotten in trouble, runs through the field in his underwear 
and uh, distracts Derek, who completely blows the play in the game. Virgil has a line where he's like, you know, for a guy who had to think about nudity, he's really turned around because it's different when you're cool and you're in your underwear. <laughs> and so Derek blows the play, loses the game. Steph sees that happen. And you know, Derek's her boyfriend. She cares about him. So she tells him about the time travel, which Virgil asked her not to tell anyone about. <laughs> Fans, I want to be clear that I just did a major eye roll because Steph couldn't keep her mouth shut. What are you doing for this worthless boy? <laughs> like, where are your standards? <laughs> but like Derek suddenly has the time of day for Virgil and come, he and Steph come over to, his, uh, to Virgil's house. Yeah, and so they come and they ask Virgil, can they fix it? And Derek tries to apologize for freshman year. Mind you, has never brought it up in like the three years, but wants to bring it up now that he like apologizes. And so they do decide to go back in time and fix the game, but they do have it like on recording. So I guess like Virgil kept a recording of like, him messing up the the game and shows it to him like after the that the fact that they fixed it so there's still like a record of him like losing and so Derek's so grateful that he was able to fix it and so he invites Virgil to to a party to like celebrate at his house and Virgil initially is like oh no I can't you know Charlie and I are supposed to watch the Weather Channel's top 10 hailstorms of all time. But then he's like, oh, wait, I didn't realize how like geeky that sounded until I said it out loud. Sure, I'll go to this party. So he goes to this party and one doesn't tell Charlie that like he's going to this party and just blows him off. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, how you, you're just going to blow off the top 10 hailstorms. It's not right. It's not right. Also, I think you can't blow him off that way when Derek lives directly across the street from Charlie. You gotta plan a little better if you're two-timing Virgil. (laughs) Yo, yeah. Derek and Charlie are neighbors. So Charlie's literally looking outside of his living room window and sees sees Virgil across across the way dancing and having a good time at this party. But, you know, the party also gives Virgil something he needed, which is some one-on-one time with a girl, Steph. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, are you going to the dance on Saturday? She's like, I mean, I guess so. But she's over it. She and Derek go to every party. And she's starting to wonder if she chose the right path. Uh, but Virgil's like, uh, are you kidding? Being popular seems great. Um, and she's like, but you don't seem to mind that you're captain of the dorks. She doesn't say it that way. Virgil does. And what she says that I think is very true to Avery and I's experience in high school is that you guys always seem like you're having so much more fun than everybody else. But what Virgil says that I think is very true of high school, because he's like, from our side, it seems like you guys are having all the fun. And that is true, right? Like high school, you're all like, uh, grass is always greener on the other side. But, you know, even in these moments where Derek is asking for help or Derek is thanking him for help, he's still Derek because he's like, when he asks for help, he's like, I don't know what's gotten into the dorks lately. They don't know their place anymore. And I, I like, and when he thanks the, uh, thanks Virgil, he's like, yeah, thank the little twerp and the big, uh, the big scary guy for me. And it's just like, these are nice guys who did you a favor, 
even though like Charlie did not want to, because like he threw the football at Charlie three years ago, even if he tried to stop the football players, he always threw the football at Charlie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so just like Derek is awful. Steph, like every time he does something bad like that, Steph looks like upset, but like stays with him, sir. Anyway. So at this party, we also see Derek once again making eyes at Jocelyn Lee constantly. I will say throughout the time travel, something I like about this one is we're also seeing that they're improving. They now land upright where before they used to crash into some boxes. And every time, this is just a note, every time they go back in time, Zeke takes a grappling hook and the other two make fun of him because they're like, what do you need a grappling hook for, Zeke? What do you need a grappling hook for? (laughs) Anyway, so... Charlie is obviously upset that Virgil uh, like bailed on him, but Virgil apologizes to him, but then he makes a very Virgil, but then he gets a call from someone else. Yeah, he's like, Virgil is in mid call with Charlie trying to apologize for blowing him off, but Steph calls and she's crying and Virgil's like, I have to come to her rescue. So he leaves Charlie on the phone waiting for him and he just goes off to go rescue Steph because she's crying mind you she doesn't even say like why she's crying he just hears her crying and like runs he goes to her house mind you he could have used the front door but no he decides to climb up to her balcony (laughs) and is clearly struggling (laughs) beautiful and so Steph tells Virgil that she caught Derek kissing Jocelyn Lee And so she's... Those eyes were not just eyes. (laughs) It was not. (laughs) So she's like, I can't believe it. I'm going to end this like once and for all. Like we're done. And so Derek calls while Virgil is there. And Derek's like, can we just talk about it? And so she's like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to him. And so Virgil leaves. Also, oh wait, I forgot to say a very cute thing that Virgil does. So he he climbs up to her balcony and he's like, oh, I remember how much you love pistachios, but I was in such a hurry. I grabbed dried pasta. Oh. And she's like, do you have marinara sauce? (laughs) Which I thought was very funny. But when Steph makes jokes to him, Virgil does not know how to respond. So they end up into these like awkward silences in the movie he's like oh you're joking and i feel like they just needed to tweak those lines or those performances in some way (laughs) you don't need an awkward silence in a movie (laughs) so the scientists are still tracking these irregularities and now they're looking for a contact at the fbi because their irregularities are making things very weird whatever they might be Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, um mm -hmm. i also don't love that every time a character gets a proximity to popularity in this film, they become really awful. Like Virgil starts blowing off Charlie as soon as Derek gives him the time of day and Steph gives him the time of day. And, you know, we've seen what Eugene and Chester are up to. Also, we got to talk to the parents about their, their naming throughout the film. Like, sure, we've got a Derek, a Steph, a Charlie, but we've also got Eugene, Chester, and Virgil all in one class. It's not right. <laughs> At the burger place, Derek is telling Virgil, you know, you don't know what it's like to be me. There's all this pressure to play the field and almost cheat. This guy is the worst. He's like, Jocelyn made the first move. I didn't kiss her back. And you're like, wait, what's Derek saying? 
He wants Virgil to go back in time and fix his dumbass life for a second time and stop Steph from catching him and Jocelyn. Honestly, I have in all caps, what the hell? <laughs> I do not approve. He doesn't even like, I, I also do not approve. And like, he doesn't even have a good reason for like wanting to get Steph back. We've dated a long time and she's everything a guy could ever want. What does that mean? What am I supposed to do with that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Derek, like, you know, Virgil feels a little iffy about it. And Derek dangles, like, his friendship and popularity in front of mm-hmm. Virgil. He's like, oh, like, I like us hanging out again, the three of them. And it can stay that way if you just, you know, fix my life for me. Like, it's just so icky and gross. And I hate Derek. I hate it's him. It's so icky. Um And while Virgil goes off to think about it, the FBI kidnaps him. (laughs) And he gets dragged into their, like, headquarters or whatever, where he's... (laughs) He is about to rat out the other two, but they're already there. So they hear him being like, there's two other guys. (laughs) And Charlie is already mad at him about being on hold all night. And the FBI knows something is up, but they don't know exactly what. And... Charlie is about to break, but Zeke is, like, keeping him from talking. And Virgil, who paid attention in his one semester of government class, says they can't be held unless they're going to be charged with something. (laughs) So they let them go with plans to watch them. And then, guys, we get a confrontation because we leave out of the FBI building, wherever they were at, and Virgil is, like, blaming Charlie for like them getting caught and Charlie's blaming Virgil cause he's like, I wanted to quit weeks ago, but you wanted to use it for personal gain. Like you wanted to use the time machine for getting popular and going to parties. And then y'all, Virgil just gets mean. Like Virgil's so like, mean. the time machine gave Zeke a life because before then like he was nobody and like people were scared of him. And then he tells Charlie to go back to his computer and his cat. So rude. Yeah, Charlie even tells him he's being mean and he is right. Um, And I honestly, at this point was like, Virgil, you deserve Derek and literally no one else. You don't deserve these nice boys. You don't deserve Steph because like Derek, he and Derek are trapped in this ball of like stupid social norms. And it's so dumb. They let it rule their lives. And I know it's easy to get caught in that in high school, but still. Ugh. But Charlie tells him good luck in his new life as a popular person. And poor Zeke, who was opening up so much and smiling so much more, says, and he's done too. He's better off on his own and always has been. He finally had friends. And then Virgil said that thing about how they gave him a life and really hurt him. Oh, my prince Zeke. And Virgil is now alone because of his own actions. Like he's alone, completely alone. And like, I think when Derek then calls him, he's very vulnerable and he agrees to help him because this is the only person he still has. Stupid. (laughs) I think it's wild that he thinks so much of this dumb boy's friendship that he's even prioritizing him over keeping the girl he ostensibly loves from getting hurt. Yeah. Yeah, it's really, it's really twisted. Yeah. (laughs) All the while, while this is happening, Charlie is doing calculations 
And we come to find out that we've got some major problems because they have been time traveling so much that their time portal has now become a black hole. And so Charlie's like, oh, shoot, we done fucked up. And so (laughs) it's time to go to the FBI and confess that they've been time traveling and that every time they've been time traveling, they've like created a rift in the continuum. And so now these like fluctuations or these rifts are like coming together to create a black hole. And I also love, this is one of my favorite lines too, because the scientists are like, oh, like we didn't get that from our calculations. And Charlie's like, yeah, you forgot to carry like the decimal point and all this other stuff. And he was like, I knew NASA was underfunded, but (laughs) my gosh, I love that line. (laughs) The disrespect. And also like the scientists are trying to talk, like, well, one of the scientists is trying to talk down to him, but then he's like, after Charlie corrects his his miscalculation, he's like, he starts calling him sir. (laughs) And so now that, now we realize that we have less than four hours because there's been so many rifts and because of this black hole we have less than four hours until the end of the world people this isn't just like a oh we'll be stuck in time forever this is the the end of the world they have a chance to reverse it but it may be a long shot yes so this black hole is going to swallow somerton then the northwest then the u.s then the whole world and meanwhile virgil has nary a thought in his mind because he's off to the dance with his girl, Steph. Um, it's 50s themed. I don't know why. <laughs> Rock around the clock. <laughs> I think they wanted us to think that we had gone back in time to the 50s for a second. And honestly, it worked. I was like, what are we doing here? <laughs> um, we find out that Virgil and Derek are still planning to go back that night at the dance. They're going to use, uh, they're going to go, um, they have the suits ready. And they're going to stop Steph from catching Derek with uh, Jocelyn. Zeke is at the dance with two dates, these two girls who keep hanging around him. Good for him. He has groupies. (laughs) He really does. And then something strange happens. This is where the movie loses me a little. Oh, how so, Jahan? (laughs) Which is that, okay, we have seen every single time they've gone back in time before this. We've seen what happened, then we've seen what they change, and we've seen the consequences. But now... We ste- see Steph and Virgil win home uh, win dance king and queen. And when Virgil goes up there, Steph is like, yo, what happened? He's like, well, I went back in time and I stuffed the ballot box. And I was like, sorry, what? And obviously, like, the time travel has gone to his head. We knew that already. But I'm, like, confused that we don't see any of this happen and we're just supposed to be like, oh, okay? I think why they did it and why the only reason I support it is that it leads to my favorite line in the movie. <laughs> And I think it's why they did this entire scene, this entire pointless scene. So these two are dancing because they're like the homecoming king and queen or whatever. And she's like, did you really go back in time and stuff the ballot box so we would win? He's like, yeah. You? Sure. But who would vote for me? And Steph looks at him and she says, I would. And I was like, you know what, Virgil? You shouldn't have done it. I don't understand why we didn't see it, but you were right to do it. (laughs) Also, my favorite line, too, is when he goes up to, like, claim his crown, like, just before they go dancing, the vice principal's like, don't let it get to their head. There's still time for a recount. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> this vice principal is a villain. I don't know why he's up to no good. But it is a very, it is a, Jahan, you're right. This is a very cute moment. And y'all, they're about to kiss. Like, Steph and Derek, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sorry, Steph and Virgil, like, during the scene when she says, like, oh, I would vote for you, they're about to kiss. But Derek rudely comes and interrupts them. And it's like, dude, we got to go, like, back in time and change the, and, like, change the thing. And Virgil's having second thoughts about going back in time, obviously, because he was about to kiss Steph. And so he doesn't want that to, like, get messed up. So he's having second thoughts. And Derek is like, no, dude, come on, we got to go. And so it's so funny to me that the school, like, sees them leaving, (laughs) leaving the dance. And they, the whole school thinks, like, oh, they're about to fight because <laughs> Virgil brought Steph to the dance. Like Virgil brought his girl to the dance and they're about to like go take it outside and fight. And so the school, the people start following them out of the gym. Yeah, they were like, oh, obviously this is the next, like why did they think that the most popular boy in school and the guy bringing his date to the dance could sneak out together and have it not be a thing? I actually agree with these kids who were like, yeah, they must be about to fight. <laughs> So there's this whole crowd and Derek's like, come on, Virgil, you're not going to steal my girl, are you? But when everyone uh, follows them, Charlie storms into the dance and tells Virgil that they like they have less than an hour to save the world. And then the CIA, the FBI and the Bureau of Weights and Measures show up (laughs) and they are announced in that order, which is very funny. And like that felt like a very classic DCOM joke where you're like, You just uh, write it and keep going. (laughs) So the plan that Charlie's made is they have to jump into the black hole and close it from the inside. And this is the one time in the entire movie when there is adult oversight because the vice principal finally does the right thing and is like, those kids can't do this. They could die. And the FBI is like, but if they don't, everyone else could die. And he's like, Godspeed, guys. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Good luck to the boys. <laughs> yeah, the FBI is like, well, they're the only ones that are familiar with the machine. We have no choice. <laughs> and the vice principal does say Godspeed. I love it. Um, and we, our boys, our besties, our boys, they're all together because uh, they're fighting again, like usual. But this time they're fighting over who should go because Virgil thinks he should go since he made the mess. Charlie thinks it's his fault since he invented it. And Virgil's like, I helped. And Charlie's like, you just painted it. And the FBI is like, you'll both go. And Zeke says, well, you'll need me too, sir. And my hook. He has his grappling hook as always. I love my boy Zeke. And they have a new remote pack to reverse. So they've got to go through the wormhole, close it from that side. And they have a new remote pack that uh, Charlie's been working on to reverse the polarity. Don't know what that means. And then they'll be stuck in, they don't know where they'll end up, but they'll be stuck there until the vortex touches the ground and they can jump back. And it could be a second or it could be a few minutes. They have no idea. And the thing is, they also don't know like when or where they're going to be dropped. They're just going back in time, Mm -hmm. but like they have no idea when back in time. It could be like 48 hours like they typically do. It could be longer. They don't know. So um, yeah, everyone is cheering for them. So they, they put on their suits. They don't put on their goggles yet. And they walk through the halls and the whole town is basically they're cheering for them. Everyone's 
so so impressed by these heroes the heroes they've been the whole movie they're finally recognized as it zeke's two girlfriends chester <laughs> virgil's little sister how did she get transportation here why is she at the high school where are her parents these are questions we'll never know. And they're doing this even though they don't even know if they'll get back to the same point in time. They don't know if they'll ever get back to this <laughs> moment, but they got to do it. They got to save the yeah. world. Little sister Amy is there and is like, I want your bedroom when you die. <laughs> A true villain. And Jeanette, my girl Jeanette is there. <laughs> she got to kiss her man. Good luck. Yes! She she kisses Charlie and tells him to come back in one piece. And I love this because it's very much all the tropes of like the um, Armageddon-esque movie where these astronauts are about to jump into the end of the world. And I truly, I wrote at this point, I was like, I would die for this girl. Jeanette, <laughs> Jeanette has my heart. But anyway, Charlie freezes when she kisses him and has to be carried out. And then um, they're almost there and Steph stops Virgil and uh, they're clearly about to have a moment. But before he can say anything, Derek wishes him luck. And it seems like Derek still thinks he's going to stop him from cheating, from being caught cheating. Like, it seems like he still thinks that's on Virgil's to-do list at the end of the world. (laughs) Sir, that is not on the agenda. We have moved past that. (laughs) So the whole school is cheering. Everybody there, like the reporters and everything, they're all cheering. For the Minutemen. They're not cheering for the snowsuit, guys. They finally got their name right. And so they have to go back. They jump through the hole. They land, like, at a park. Because remember, they don't know when or where they are. But they manage to go back in time. Charlie stabilizes the wormhole. But then they go to try to figure out, like, what day they are in time. And so they realize that they've gone back in time to freshman year, the day of the incident. We are back. It's September 3rd, 2005. And so Virgil is ecstatic because he's like, oh, I can like change my future. I don't have to hang from the Ram statue and like become a dork for the rest of my high school career. Like I'm going to go back to school and fix this right now. I'm going to save myself. So they only have like 20 minutes until the wormhole touches down. They are on a limited time, but he starts sprinting back to the high school and the other two follow him. And they're at a park across town. They catch up to him right as he reaches the football field. He's like calling to himself, but they stop him. And it hasn't happened yet, but you see a little rocket car going around the field. It's about to happen. And Charlie Tuttle, Charlie Tuttle says, What happened down there on this day you call the worst day of your life? What happened down there is we became friends. This day that you hate so much just because you got a little embarrassed, this is my favorite day. I swear to you, I was in tears. Avery looks emotional right now. Emmy, Oscar for Luke Benward. Right now. Right now. It was it's so good. He delivered that line with such gravitas for a 10-year-old. I'm sure he was like 15, but you know what I mean. It's so perfect. It really is, y'all. It's And like, Virgil is just so mean to his... Like, this is when it really hit me how mean throughout this movie Virgil is to his little buddy. Like, this boy is just 
there for him. And he's like, I was hanging from that statue too, but I knew it was going to be okay. Because yeah, I'd be a dork, but at least I'd be a dork with a friend. Or whatever he says. I don't know. But what he, he tugged at those heartstrings. He tugged. Charlie walks away. Zeke tells Virgil, do what you got to do, man. But if things change on the other side, it's been a fun ride. These two princes are stuck with this absolute ass of a best friend in his leather bracelets and his slim fit Henleys. (laughs) Oh no. (laughs) Virgil stays, but what he sees is he sees Derek say, wait, you guys shouldn't do that. So he looks and he looks to see Derek. He's, I think he's, you know, he's expecting to see Derek do what he's been saying he did the whole movie, which is try and stop them. But instead he says, I've got a much better idea. He's the one who suggests the lipstick. (gasps) Derek piled on, Derek made this the whole mess it was. So (laughs) we now know that uh, Derek was always a little bitch. (laughs) From day one. <laughs> Zeke and Charlie are heading back to the vortex, but it's going into overdrive. They're they're about to get stuck here. There's no way. They're a mile away, which begs the question, how did you get to the school so fast to right? begin with? <laughs> you told us we had 20 minutes. You're telling me you got a mile away in, a, in 20 minutes and now like are just now realizing it was a problem? <laughs> So they're panicking because they realize, like, we're not going to make it. Also, I was thinking this whole time, like, were they just going to plan to leave Virgil there? Because they left Virgil at school. So was the plan always just to leave Virgil? Well, when they when it goes into overdrive and they're running, like, Charlie straight up is like, there's no time to go back for him. Like, dude. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he just experienced a deep betrayal. <laughs> But still. They really just left him. But they realize that they're not going to make it. But then who comes but Virgil on the rocket cart? He's come to his senses. He picks them up. They are like, oh, we got like, we still have time now that we have the cart. We're going to like drive. Virgil's driving and he goes the wrong way or he passes the wrong street, Jahan. And what happens? Oh, my goodness. They miss their turn. How can you U-turn in a rocket car? No problem, boys, because we got the grappling hook. Zeke saves the day. Zeke saves the day. (laughs) And I think this movie's greatest gift is some stellar one-liners. Because when when Virgil zooms up to save them, he says, Yeah, you know, first I felt a little sorry for the dorky kid. But then I realized, what does he need me for? He's got a great friend down there. And then he looks at Zeke and he says, and someday he'll have other ones too. Virgil's great at a speech. And like, as they're about to leave, Charlie finally gets scorch right. So many things coming full circle in this movie. Zeke uses the grappling hook and they are inches away from not making it, but they make it. Oh my goodness. They drive back into the vortex and they pop out onto the football field. <laughs> and it's so funny too, because they have, they they hop onto the football field and they have no idea like when, <laughs> when they've landed. So they don't know like, what has changed? Are we back? What's happening? They're on the field. The coach is like, why aren't you jogging laps? Like go jog your laps. And so they realize the day that they've gone back to 
is the day that Steph confronts Derek about his cheating in the library with Jocelyn, but also it's the first day that they go back to time travel. To help Chester, or yeah, to help Chester. Yeah. So they pop out um, and Virgil, they're... (laughs) They're still in their snowsuits. Yeah. The PE coach is like, those are some very stylish jogging suits. Um, they pass the vice principal. He doesn't like call them out at all. So nobody knows the snowsuit guys. They're just three guys. And Virgil runs into Derek. Again, Steph literally just was like, you're a lying cheese head. You know, it's... Uh, she, she thinks something's happening with Jocelyn, but we don't have any confirmation in this part of the timeline. Mm-hmm. But Virgil like runs into Derek and he's like, have fun with Jocelyn. And Derek's like, what's that supposed to mean? And he, oh, this ice cold line from Virgil. Since you're both so great with lipstick, I thought it'd be a perfect match. The fuck? <laughs> he calls Derek out and Derek shows his true ass colors. He says, you were always going to be a dork anyway, Virgil. And Virgil goes, and you were always going to be a jerk. Mm. He said what needed to be said. That's as spicy Stone as you're going to get in a decom, y'all. I just want to let y'all know. And I felt it. I felt the burn. So it's out in the open now. Virgil doesn't need Derek to like be his friend anymore. He's over him. Virgil goes and, like, talks to Steph. Yeah. First, she's like, why are you in these outfits? And he's like, oh, we're, like, rehearsing for a play about people going back in time. And speaking (laughs) about going back in time, like, what is this segue? (laughs) He's like, (laughs) listen, he doesn't have what I have, which is the the art of the perfect segue as often featured here on our podcast. (laughs) But he's like, speaking of going back in time, if I could go back in time, I would tell Steph Steph, that she's amazing. And Steph goes, I would say the same thing to Virgil. So meanwhile, this happens and we have a moment and we love and we live. But back in the library, (laughs) Charlie and Zeke are there and Jeanette comes up to Charlie and Charlie kisses Jeanette and Zeke's like, dude. (laughs) (laughs) like she hasn't become part of the group yet like she doesn't know you like that and charlie's like oh no (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) he finally reciprocates her feelings and it's at a point where your girl does not know what's going on because she called she's like she calls him another cute bird name like hey puffin and he's like Hey, pumpkin. He gives her a pet name and he smooches her. And it's truly like two 12-year-olds kissing. It's adorable. (laughs) I know they're both like 14 or whatever. (laughs) And Zeke's like, it's going to be okay. And Jeanette does seem to be happy about it. Yeah, you see her walking away smiling. So there's hope. Yes. And then Charlie runs up to Virgil. He's got his next big idea, teleportation. And... Zeke and Virgil are both like, absolutely not. And they like drag him away. And Virgil's like, I'll call you, Steph. And what a a delight. What a happy, happy film. (laughs) The end. (laughs) The end. I loved it. (laughs) Five stars. Five stars. And I did love it the whole way through, but it really got me with those like final half hours, one-liners. My God, what a joy. (laughs) Mm. 
Are you ready to do some background? Yes, I am. Oh, let's do it. And the words of Shahan, what a stacked cast. <laughs> <laughs> we had some truly great people in this cast, starting with my crush, Jason Dolly. My God. <laughs> what a Disney kid through and through. We've talked about the flipped hair. It was definitely a moment. But Jason Dolly truly just had a career on Disney Channel and we love him for it. So he's in another D. De- uh, actually, he's in a ton of DCOMs. Not only is he in this movie, but he's also in Read It and Weep with the Panabaker sisters, which I love. I cannot wait till we talk about Read It and Weep. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Chills. <laughs> Um, he was in Cory in the House, which was like a spinoff of That's So Raven. Um, he was in Good Luck Charlie. He's also in Hatching Pete, which is another decom. Like I've never seen Hatching Pete. <gasps> and what? now that you've mentioned it, that explains why I have so many memories of Minutemen that involve him dressed like a chicken. I was like, why do I keep remembering him being the mascot in this no! movie? It's because I was remembering <laughs> I was like, I remember more chickens in this film. <laughs> oh, no, no. That's a different decal. A different decal. Okay. Honestly, if my rule is always, if you're in three or more decal movies, like you are officially like, you just have a star. <laughs> yes. you. He is absolutely one of, like, I think you could, yeah, that, here's what I'm going to say. We have to start like a decal uh Star like who has a deco- uh, star on the decom hall of walk yes. of fame right? He does. Brenda Song does, for example. Yes. But he is the only one in this movie. Oh wait, we also got our girl Chelsea Kane. I'm trying to remember if she counts as a a uh, decom star. I'm gonna say <laughs> yes because yes, I'm gonna say yes, and let me hear my argument. Yes, because she is in this movie. She is in the critically acclaimed TV show, Jonas. <laughs> critically, acc- critically acclaimed. The critic is Avery Suber writing in her diary. <laughs> yes, she is in Jonas as Stella, which I could literally talk about Jonas and Jonas LA and how that took over my summer, <laughs> one summer in high school, but I digress. She was also in, what was the, what was it? She was also on the Disney Channel games, Summer Games. I think she... Yeah. Yes. Well, I, I agree. She was also in Starstruck. <gasps> yes, yes, yes. Okay. So she's she's all over the place. I love Chelsea Kane. I think she's extremely talented. <laughs> I think I kind of skipped ahead here. So I guess Jason Dotley, what is he currently working on? I saw that he had a couple of credits in American Housewife, that ABC sitcom. But I think beyond that, I'm not sure what else he's up to. Something I'm interested in is I see one of his recent credits is The Ranch, which I don't recommend. I'm not going to watch it. It was like that like Netflix show with um, a creepy dude who got canceled. So don't watch it. However, I see in that show he was playing Dr. Hopkins. And it is wild to me that our boy is now old enough to play a doctor, believably. <laughs> he was in, as you said, all those decoms. He's a true decom Prince. He was really great in Good Luck Charlie. I think he really, I think he really shines in that kind of like dummy role, actually. Like he was great in this, but I think he's at his best in like Corey in the house and this when he's kind of 
Well, he does two things great. He does that kind of spacey character really well, which he does in both of those. But he also is a good best friend to romantic interest. I'll allow. Yeah. Because <laughs> I could see Avery being like, you're wrong. <laughs> yo, yo, read it and weep. <laughs> oh, wait, I have updates. He's a Peloton instructor. Get out. I'm sorry. One of our listeners is an avid Peloton rider and has not mentioned this to me. <laughs> Carrie Crowley. <laughs> We're speaking to you from the beyond. What the hell? Am I going to have to buy a Peloton? I was going to say, do I have to buy a Peloton? Those cost a lot of money, but I will do it. (laughs) And another fun fact is that he is related to Alan Ruck, Cameron from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm just seeing this on Wikipedia. I don't know how they're related, but it's a fun fact because Alan is in succession as Connor Roy right now. And we got another boy from Succession here in Minutemen. Yes, it all, full circle, full circle. <laughs> a full circle. And uh, I'll say Jason Dolly might not be up to much currently. You know, it seems like he's doing, he's doing stuff when it shows up. And I do trust that he'll have, I feel like he could be one of those guys who, ter- who like becomes a Disney Channel adult the way like Jackson from Hannah Montana did for a bit. So I'm not too worried about him. I think Disney will always come back for him. They love him there. But somebody who does have a very, very active current career, our boy Zeke, Nicholas Braun. Oh, I will say, I think we, we, the Disney, the Disney girls loved him always. He's one of the best parts of perfect film Sky High. He is... A delight all over the place. I I will say, I think I really fell in love with Nicholas Braun. I mean, obviously I had seen him in Princess Protection Program. I had seen him in Sky High. But you have to remember, in 2011, there was a little indie Disney movie called Prom that came out. <laughs> and, you know... Oh, did you see that in theaters? Did I, did I, did I make my friends collectively go see that in theaters <laughs> after senior awards day because we were seniors going to prom and they were seniors going to prom so I just had to it was just fate (laughs) did I have a prom poster in my college dorm room (laughs) I don't think I remembered the poster oh yes there are pictures I had a prom movie poster in my dorm room that's so funny (laughs) so your girl has loved Nicholas Braun Easily since like 2011. And he's so precious in that movie too. I mean, he's a bad boy, obviously, and meant to be like all rough and tough biker dude. But in prom, he's his awkward, lanky, tall self who who just like wants to ask a girl to prom. It's so beautiful. And I was in love. It's so cute. I need to rewatch that. Until you said it, I really... Like, once you described it, I started remembering him trying to ask her. And I was like, oh my God, that was so cute. But for me... The definitive Nicholas Braun role is obviously Sky High, where he is Zack Attack. Oh, my God. That was his first role. Yeah, boy shows the in both of these roles and all of these roles. He shows the kind of performance and dedication to the craft (laughs) that got him an Emmy nomination for his starring role in Succession, where he is Cousin Greg. So he thinks of really like it's so cool to see him come up and see the rest of the world love him the way P- 
People who love prom and sky high have been loving him for years. Where have y'all been? You have been sleeping on him. He's been giving great performances for a decade or more. <laughs> oh my word. You know, I did I did remember that he was in that ABC Family's 10 Things I Hate About You TV show. I did not watch that because I was in strong protest. Um, strong <laughs> did protest. Did I make a Facebook group <laughs> telling people not to watch this? Yes, I did. <laughs> Because the movie is perfect. I, I tried to watch it. I did not. A betrayal, clearly. It was garbage. <laughs> <laughs> but he's been busy. You know, he was a bad dude in Perks of Being a Wallflower. He was in How to Be Single. He shows up in a lot of places. And now he is like fully like a star. And I think he's going to be like very successful going forward. So he was already... He was already like crushing it in smaller roles, but now like Succession, I think has solidly planted him as like a castable star. Yeah. yeah. What's cool about this is it shows the different kind of roles he can have. Succession, I do feel he's kind of going back to that kind of like flustered character he's great at. So we talked about Chelsea Kane just for a little bit in her time on Jonas, but I want to be clear, like she's also done other things too. So she was in ABC Family's Baby Daddy. She, I didn't watch One Tree Hill, but apparently she was in One Tree Hill at some point. And she's now doing voice work in a kid's animated show called Archibald's Next Big Thing. Oh. That also, I was looking at the show. It has a very stacked cast and I've never heard of it. Is that Tony Hale's show? Yeah. I think that, yeah, I've heard of it. It's a, yeah, it's a show Tony Hale made about a bird. <laughs> I've never heard of it until I was doing research for it, but I was like, look at all these people here. I'm very surprised it's gotten this many seasons because I've only heard, I only heard of it when it was like created because everyone was like, why is Tony Hale creating a children's show? But yes, it's, it's uh, moving on through multiple seasons. Yeah. Sorry, wait, why is Rosamund Pike in this? I, again, I was looking at the cast and I was like, what are all these people, <laughs> these people in this show? <laughs> I think that's the one that really got me. Like, I couldn't believe any of the others have a side gig voice acting, but Rosamund Pike having a side gig voice acting doesn't feel right to me. Oh, my Lord. So, yes, I will say Chelsea Kane also credited as Chelsea Staub. I'm very confused by which she is and when. Notably, was out partying at the bungalow in L.A. on an occasion when the, the Jehan and all of her cousins were there. So I... Avery, I texted you at the time. It was years ago. Did you? This is not an actual... Yes, of course I texted okay, okay. you. <laughs> Think about how many people in my life I could have reported this to that would experience excitement. I was surrounded by like 20 cousins and not one of them would have known who she was. Okay, I had to go to you. But yes. So Chelsea is... That was a joke, though. She is busy doing things other than hanging out in my vicinity she's i think baby daddy was big for her because she was starring on a that was like when abc family slash freeform that was a pretty popular like sitcom for them mm -hmm. so she did that for a while and i think she got like a pretty big following from that like she was part of a lot of like a fun like will they won't they romance for like five years on a sitcom that's a uh, some solid work she was also on a will they won't they for jonas but we don't talk about that <laughs> listen some of us are loyal but other people have to discover people on Succession or Baby Daddy. <laughs> Some of us support their careers everywhere. 
But yeah, it looks like she's doing a lot of voice acting, um, which is cool. I didn't know she did as much voice acting as I'm seeing on her page. <laughs> but I really like her, actually. And I don't think this movie uses her. I don't think, like, Minutemen gives her as much time to shine as, like, um, Jonas does, for example. But she is very, very fun. I hope she has more to come. Okay, we've skipped around one of our leads a bit. Apologies to our boy Luke Benward. AKA Charlie. Yes, so if there's any confusion, Jason Dolly obviously is Virgil. Chelsea plays our girl Steph. Uh, and then of course, Nicholas Braun is Zeke. And Luke Benward was really um, having a moment at age, age 13 in Minutemen. Like, and the thing is, he's a little boy. <laughs> he is a small boy. <laughs> I would argue they even cast him older than he is in this movie because he's supposed to be 14 in this movie. I think he was 12, he was 13, maybe even 12. It's so funny because if they filmed it before they released it, he was probably 12 and a half to 13. He is very young. Um, and this was like his moment though. He was, I remember he was in How to Eat Fried Worms, which was a like, theatrical release he was in this this is him pre-puberty and we are going to i won't say too much but our next movie is going to feature him a little bit older and it is shocking <laughs> like I, <laughs> the glow up on this boy in a matter of like two or three years it's like are you the same child <laughs> I honestly ask that you don't Google him so that you, if you are watching along with us, you just need to go straight to watch it. We're going to reveal the movie right now. So you go straight to watching Cloud Nine because you need to experience this for yourself. I remember the day I saw Cloud Nine, I was like, I'm sorry. <laughs> this is the same person. <laughs> it, it is wild. Like it. It feels like it was like 12 years or something because like you look at him in Cloud Nine or you even look at him later because he's in, he's in Dumpling or Dumpling on Netflix. Oh, yeah. I loved him in Dumpling. Yeah. Does it look like the same person at all? <laughs> so he's doing some stuff this year or like he had a couple things released last year. Um, he was in Dumplin', which was a Netflix movie, as you said. He was in Life of the Party, which was that theatrical release with Melissa McCarthy. I don't know how big of a role he had, but it seems like every couple of years he has something. And, you know, I think he's getting the kind of work that a very handsome former Disney boy gets, right? It looks like he was on an episode of Pitch, which I don't remember. <laughs> we were avid fans of Pitch, but I would believe him as a baseball player. He's not doing tons. I'd say he's doing more than um, Jason Dolly at the moment, but not like tons and tons. But he still has some stuff going on. Good for him. But he also had a lot of Disney work. Even when he didn't have a recurring role, he had like an episode of Girl Meets World. He uh, was in Cloud Nine. He was in a Nickelodeon show, See Dad Run. I was going to say, I also think he was in some Good Luck Charlie episodes too. He was, which I think is funny because it reunited him with our boy Jason. And that's beautiful. Hmm. I love a um, film-based real life relationship. And I only say this because Nicholas Braun is real life best friends with his Sky High co-star. And that's gorgeous to me. <laughs> yeah. I'm so sorry. I've said Sky High this many times this episode. <laughs> I mean, you gotta, we gotta bring it up. It's a disease. It's important. <laughs> Derek is played by Stephen R. McQueen, grandson of the iconic 
Steve McQueen. Oh, that's beautiful. What a, what a dynasty. A dynasty. Uh, <laughs> uh, acting dynasty. <laughs> a lot of people, I think, hands down, are going to recognize him as Jeremy Gilbert from The Vampire Diaries, which I watched. He was also in some episodes of Chicago Fire, which I have not seen. I have not seen anything that he's done recently, but Vampire Diaries, that was a lot of episodes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, he's he's done great work. It's very, very funny that they named him exactly after his grandfather, but I guess that's how that works. <laughs> his middle name is Chadwick. Gorgeous. Uh, his middle initial R is a is a stage name thing. Oh, I was about to He's say, actually, wait a second. <laughs> his, his real name is Stephen C. McQueen. Stephen R. McQueen is, is a stage name. Okay. <laughs> sure, we'll do that. I think the other big name that I would have to bring up. So Jeanette, I'm not sure if she's in any like Kara Kane. I don't know if she's any like big things worth mentioning, but I did want to mention our vice principal because I mean, he's a face that you are easily going to realize in a lot of places. I was like, Hey, it's the guy from Phil of the future. <laughs> he is also the vice principal and the caveman in Phil of the yes. future, which is so funny. I used to think that was so, so hilarious the way it was the same actor um, but also more than that, he plays the exact same character in Phil of the Future. <laughs> that, that vice principal is the exact same guy. And he is excellent at that. And what's so funny is I know many people have talked about this. This actor looks exactly like, what's his face? Jim Rash, who plays the Dean in Community. So I think he at one point plays the Dean's double. <laughs> Oh, really? I think so. I think it was, like, done to acknowledge the fact that they, like, looked pretty similar. But maybe I made that up. Maybe it was a dream I had. <laughs> <laughs> Let me just double check. Yes, he and he is in four episodes of Community. He's not playing the Dean's double. He's playing fake Moby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but I always thought they were the same guy as a kid. Oh, my word. I was going to say, but you, I mean, he's everywhere. Not only Phil of the Future in this show, but he's also done some voice work on the on the Disney animated show, The Replacements. Um, I think he did some work on Veep. I found him credited in some Amazon Prime show called Good Girls Revolt. And I saw like the synopsis of it. And now I'm like intrigued and I added it to my queue. Yeah, he's, a, he's, he's done a lot of work in the past decades. Yeah, he shows up in a few episodes of everything. Like, every show will cast him at one point. It's really impressive. And he has longer roles. He had, like, eight episodes of Veep, stuff like that. 24 episodes of Spun Out, which was a Canadian show. I do just want to note, he has worked consistently, as you said, for, like, the past couple decades. He has been convicted of keeping a video camera in his home that he like would rent out and uh, he's still getting work even though he's been convicted of voyeurism. I just want to say. Yikes. Sir? Yikes. Um, actor guilty of mischief. That's what the actual crime is called. Mischief. Okay. <laughs> convicted of mischief. What a man. Now I do, I do want to just quickly shout out one cast member we have not mentioned. Oh. And Avery, you might say, Jahan, who could be left? Yeah. Well, Chester, 
Now Chester is played by Dexter Darden, who is not important to me in any way. I've never seen Joyful Noise. I've never seen the Maze Runner films. Those are the other things he's done. He's done. But he is currently engaged to Jojo. What? <laughs> Stop. Really? Your boy is going to marry the the princess of is she the princess of R&B? Is she the princess of like Blue-eyed soul? I don't know, but I'll she is our, our girl. Oh my word. I had no idea. Wow. This So the guy who plays the biggest nerd in the world in this movie, who gets stuck in a vending machine, who gets who streaks and also gets pants, essentially, he's marrying Jojo. The come up. The come up. Who won at the end, I tell you. <laughs> Absolutely Dexter Darden. <laughs> A super cute couple. I'm very happy for Jojo, whose ring looks massive. <laughs> okay. Okay. Good for them. He is also main cast in the new Saved by the Bell. Oh, okay. Which I've heard is very funny. It's on Peacock, and I've heard amazing things. I have not seen So I do have to watch that. I have not seen Okay. Great job, Dexter. Proud of you. Oh. You love to see a nerd succeed. I recognize he wasn't a nerd, but you know, we love to see a nerd succeed. Um, okay, so we've talked about the cast. Um, we've talked about how the soundtrack fe- or the featured music includes Like Whoa and Run It Back Again by Corbin Blue. Two perfect songs. Absolutely. Some other notes. Um, it was filmed at Murray High School. Which is important, or not important, but fun, because Read It and Weep, Jason Dolly's other decom was filmed there. The auditorium scene from High School Musical was filmed there. So it's the place to be if you uh, you want to film a decom in the year two th- years 2006 to 2008, I guess. Okay. I think the, the writers of this film received a nomination. A Director's Guild nomination for Outstanding Achievement in Children's Programming. They got nominated, but didn't win. Love to see it. Love to see it. And then we had, I think, like 6.5 or like 6 point something million viewers tune in to watch this. So quite quite a large audience, if I do say so myself. God. The way those mid-2000s DCOMs were getting watched, it it, it doesn't hit the same anymore. It doesn't. Today's kids are too busy on TikTok to appreciate the perfect cinema they're being presented. (laughs) I spend so much time on TikTok, no disrespect to the children. (laughs) Shahan, what do you think is the lesson of this movie? I mean, what's interesting, so I'm actually going to go back to the writers because I see that David Diamond and David Weissman, who wrote it, frequently collaborate. And something else they wrote was The Family Man, starring Nicolas Cage and Tia Leone. Have you ever seen it? I have not seen it. Okay. And I only flag that because I think it shares a similar message to this movie, which is about, like, appreciating what you have. Mm. And, like, I will not go too deep into this Nicolas Cage movie. It's a very sad movie that I, or like emotional movie that I liked as a kid because it made me feel things. But anyway, here as an adult, I will just say, <laughs> here talking about this movie, it's very much about like Virgil is living in the past and not appreciating the great things he has. Mm. And he also has this like, like really messed up idea about what his life should be. Mm. How about you? What do you feel? <sighs> Popular kids are the worst. Uh... <laughs> 
Oh, absolutely. <laughs> True friendship can come in like the most unexpected ways. And I also think it's again, like not judging people. I for like what they look like or who they are, because obviously like Zeke was meant to be like the bad boy mean kid. And like, we love Zeke. So we love Zeke, our boy. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I agree. Being popular isn't all it's cracked up to be. You know, you don't want to let down those people who care about you. It had a lot of really sweet messages in a way that I felt was really well done. Yeah, it, you're right. Don't judge people like Jeanette also. They like were writing her off, but she was a little sweetie who helped them out. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. Brings a tear to mine eye. <laughs> yeah, the writers also made When in Rome starring Kristen Bell. So, you know, they've... Jahan, you gave me a heart attack. I thought you were going to say Mary-Kate Nashley's When in Rome and I was about to flip my I... shit. <laughs> I do not think so. It was the 2010 When in Rome. I'm so sorry. <sighs> okay. Okay. The director is, let's see, he's he's a busy guy. He does like episodes of Weeds, Ugly Betty, Everybody Hates Chris. He's a, he's a, oh, he won the Emmy for Outstanding Children's Program for directing Wizards of Waverly Place, the movie. Okay. So this director is going to show up again when we eventually get to that. <laughs> Beautiful. Love it. So Jahan has already said it, and I'm very excited because viewers, March is just around the corner and we are going to watch Cloud Nine. We are going to follow Luke Benward and see his transformation. So grab your popcorn because Cloud Nine is coming. It's just, it's really important for y'all to see it for yourselves because it's, it's something to behold. <laughs> All right. Do we have anything else to say? Any, any crushes in the email, Jahan? from the last nobody's emailed me <laughs> if you have a crush that you want me to talk about on air you might email us at supernova girls 2049 at gmail.com <laughs> i'm shaking right now you can make a fake you can make a fake gmail i don't know have to know it's you <laughs> keep it anonymous give us some deets let us help you. It's February. It's the month of love. It's also Black History Month. I don't... And we did this incredibly white movie. <laughs> Should have thought of that one. I am shaking, crying, throwing up as the children. <laughs> I can't handle it. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for tuning in. Follow us at From A to Xenon on Twitter. Follow Adam, who is having some computer issues, so we didn't cut to our beloved Adam's corner. But Adam, follow Adam at the podcast Adam on all platforms, and follow Avery at Camille says thirty six. Oh, and follow me at Jahan four one three on Twitter. Cool. <laughs> this has been a great time. See you on Cloud Nine. <laughs>